As I walked on through Chatham Street, a fair maid I did meet. She asked me to see her home, she looked in bleaker straight to me away. Sandy, my dear Annie, oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? The Long Haul Podcast, America's Irish Voice. Interviews with inspiring immigrants, renowned Irish personalities, and discussions on all things Irish America. Presented by Michael Dorgan and Johnny Kennedy. And it has just exploded. Um, and it has been the best thing that has happened. The county, anyone that tells me that New York GA is struggling, I have news for them. On this week's show, I interview Joan Henchy, chairperson of the New York GAA County Board, the first woman ever to hold that position. Joan speaks to me on a wide range of New York GAA issues, the expanding underage structure, development squads, the prospect of a senior inter-county game this year, and confirmation that New York's club championships will go ahead this summer with spectators. She chats about the GAA's new president, New York's Larry McCarthy, provides clarity on the lease arrangement of the Gaelic Park playing pitch and updates us with the latest construction news on the new Gaelic Park clubhouse. A video of those plans will be shown at the end of this podcast. Joan also addresses criticism that was levelled against the New York GAA by former Kerry County Board Chairman Pat DeBag O'Sullivan in an earlier long-haul podcast which questioned the future of Gaelic games in New York and the sustainability of clubs who rely on summer sanctions. That podcast is up online. Another hot topic we cover is the push by the New York County Board to place a financial levy or a tax on counties, clubs and the GPA who come to New York to fundraise. Joan also shoots down the possibility of an interstate USA championship and chats about the challenges to finish off last year's championships during the pandemic. Feel free to rate, review and share the podcast. This will help us get even more podcasts to you in the future. Or leave a comment on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at The Long Haul Podcast. And be sure to keep an eye out for our New York Championship Preview Podcast, which is coming up in a few weeks. Joan was born in the US, but grew up in Tarbert in North Kerry. And we started off the show by discussing her formative years and her love for the GAA. Parents lived here, I guess they immigrated um, in the early 60s, uh, lived here for a number of years. Uh, they were actually quite successful. Um, Dad actually played with um, Kerry in Gaelic Park and used to bartend in Gaelic Park was his weekend shift while he worked in Goldman Sachs and then went on to open his own um, bar, which was it was extremely well known, very popular place called the Red Mill. Many a match was made there, um, all that era and all that generation still talk about um, that particular dance. It was a dance hall. Um, so they had the best of bands coming out from Ireland and everything, um, even back then. So that's where I got started, I guess. And were you, you were born here and when did yeah. you move back home to, I to Kerry? I think I was about four. Okay. I think there was, I think I went home when I was four. My mother regretted it to the day she died. She always said they made a mistake, but. Uh, Why is that? She always thought they should have stayed in New York, All you right. know, but. Okay. Saying that then you'd never, I could never have pictured her living here either. You know, she was just very comfortable in her own skin around her own little house in her garden. So I don't know. Um, But she'd always say it, that she was sorry. They lived down on Fordham Road. All the Irish did back then. So you grew up in Ireland, uh, practically. 
yeah. you grew up you grew up in Kerry and when did you um come back to to New York um I was 17 uh 19 now I'm going to give away my age don't I <laughs> let's just put it I was 17 okay it was 100 years ago you came back when yeah. you were 17 and you stayed since yeah I remember remember my very first we came out in October and on my first St. Patrick's Day I was just turned 18 and we were getting ID'd in the city and I it was it was a proud day to be able to show the yeah ID and go I'm legal <laughs> um yeah so that and that was a long time ago but that time the drinking age was 18. Yeah, of course, your 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 mom has since passed, and uh, your father was uh, was a Fianna Fáil senator back in the yeah. day, Dan Coyley. Yeah, yeah, gotta love him. Yeah, <laughs> gotta love him. Uh, no, no, he was. He, listen, you either dad would go to the, to the ends of the earth to help somebody, um, and he would do anything he could to to help and make life easy for people. I have to give him a lot of credit. He was a he was a great ambassador, especially in North Kerry, because we're a bit more rural. Than most. I mean, once you pass Listole and heading towards Tralee, you're kind of forgotten about. And once you get to the Killarney and the Dingle side, you're even more forgotten about. Um, we're very basic rural, you know, little areas. So he was always great champion for that. Um, you know, came with its uh, came with its challenges mm. as a, as a kid. You know, it was never easy. You were Dan Kylie's daughter, or you were something or yeah. somewhere along the line and didn't have social media back then but people still had mouths you know so you got plenty of it <laughs> that's why you came to new york was it you ran away <laughs> to be honest with you i didn't actually run away but it did have its advantages because I, I i suppose coming out i was dan's daughter and i didn't know where i fit in you know it was kind of like it was always you know and there was a stigma attached to it and trying to find my own feet and and then okay. I got married young and had kids and I, then I was somebody's wife and I was somebody's mother and, you know, trying to find who Joan was, I suppose. Um, and that led me right in the door of the GEA. I suppose it was actually John Reardon, Lord Mercy and him that kick, dragged me kicking and screaming, I suppose, into the into the Kerry Football Club. Um, I was basically told by him and Paddy O'Connor to be at the next AGM. And uh, it just took off from there, really. And you're like, I know you for two years now for people who are tuning in for the first time. I played with Kerry Club out here, so which is your club. Mm-hmm. And I know from being at training, you've a fierce grow, fierce love for the sport. Uh, did you get that from your father or where can you pinpoint that? I think it came from being told you were a girl. And there wasn't the opportunities. Um, so if you wanted to go to a local match, it was kind of like, well, why are you going to you know can you not go dancing or do something else um so I kind of had that plus I used to be um fairly handy on the on on, on the feet with with the Irish dancing so um the idea of playing football or even going to football kind of (laughs) I tease daddy all the time about it It was like (laughs) you wouldn't let me play football um so the football boots were hidden, hidden under the dance shoes um a lot of times going out the door but um yeah, I don't know. He used to have me sparring with my brother in the front yard and um, t- teaching him the skills of catching a ball, a high ball and getting under a ball and pushing somebody yeah. off a ball. Sure, I loved it. Um, don't think my brother did at the time. But um, yeah, so and I think being there was no, there, we didn't have the opportunities hmm. to play. And then growing up at home, if you went to a match, there was other reasons. You didn't go to watch the game. You know, you were just going for the crack around meeting people and stuff, but I actually love it. 
were you limited so did you play when you were younger or because yeah, we finally started a team in Tarbert um uh, we canabled a couple of the local uh a lo- the, the local players um to train us up <laughs> needless to say they had patience of saints god bless them there was <laughs> You know, I, there was one man, Eamon Hanlon, I always, when I when I go home, I always run into him and he'd always say, shook sake or shooker sake, uh, put your foot under the ball. You can't pick it off the ground. Oh, <laughs> how he had patience with, with, with some of us, I have no idea. But um, we managed to form a team. And then before we became properly competitive, I was here. Yeah. But they did go on to keep a team there for a long time. And you're involved with uh, Kerry here for for years and years, Joan. Um, mm-hmm. Your whole family, your husband, Brendan, your kids, everyone's involved yeah. with with the club here. Uh, uh, tell us about, you know, the for the summers, you've all the J-Wonders coming over, staying, you know, you really, it's a, re- a real sacrifice being part of a, a club here, particularly where you have players coming in for the summer and you have to look after them. It's kind of an extra sacrifice that people probably at home wouldn't wouldn't have the same kind of uh, experience. Yeah, I suppose there was always one or two that would come out that you knew by them they were more homely birds than, you know, wanting to be put in an apartment with other lads and stuff. And they'd kind of gravitate towards you. Um, and we always kind of provided that experience to stay here. Um, needless to say, it led to numerous arguments there's nobody <laughs> staying it was said at the beginning of the year you're not nobody staying this year yeah yeah no problem then you know where you are you wake up one morning and there's a gang there's a house full but people used to make tracks in the door back years ago um they used to just everyone knew where the key was it's, you could be out and you just didn't know who'd be at the house by the time you got home but um it was different too i suppose back then uh, you know it's obviously it's changed and attitudes with some change and uh, yeah. I won't deny we've burnt out um and shops closed no yeah. sorry <laughs> no more no more the kids moved out that's it everyone's gone it's gone it's just Brendan myself and the two dogs now and that's it and we're quite content with that so Don, you worked your way up uh, in, in in the ranks here in in with the county board. You were secretary for a couple of years. Uh, we'll get on to there of being elected chairperson in a second. But uh, you did fierce work as secretary, and one of your I, I, I suppose one of your biggest accomplishments, I suppose, in that period was the the underage and the development yeah. squads. Tell us about the development squads here. How many is there, and what kind of work you've done in the last couple of years? Well, you know, I suppose to debunk some of the stuff that had been said in a in a, in a earlier uh podcast that uh caused a little bit of a an upset with with a f and a friend or foe i'm not really sure at this stage um from my own native county which was a little upset over um didn't quite know the facts um we had a job to do and i felt us as a board um and to be honest to be transparent um, to take a good long hard look at ourselves where we belong where we were and where we needed to be um, and looking at that player coming out from home I'm never going to deny that it's always nice to have them coming out they bring a lot to the table with regards standard and you know ability and you know you're playing against people you've never played before so there's always that that, that comes along with it um, but the reliance on them for me, um, became a, a problem. I felt it was a huge problem. Um, and I felt that we ourselves needed to take a good, long, hard look at where we were going. 
with the size of our youth division and the amount of players that were coming across, it didn't translate. And we had to identify why. And we needed to sit and take a good, long, hard look at ourselves and face the facts. We knew there was that element of kid that was going to go to college and would be out of state and may not be around till the summer. You know, they come back, they're playing different sports. They'll come to the park for a beer with their friends. They might not play. You, you, we knew they had that. But we were only getting 25% coming through. And that was a big problem for me. To sustain as in they were ourselves. coming from what age? As in they were going from the underage structure into the senior intermediate ranks? 25%. Only 25%, yeah. yeah. Out of an enrollment of 25, 2,600 kids, we were seeing 25% of it. That needed to change. The turnaround yeah. needed to happen. And it needed to happen fairly fast. So we had to take a look at where and why. And we had to address all this, uh, the, the entire situation. It was not, it wasn't necessarily the young man coming out from Ireland that was taking the position on, a, uh, on the field and even one of our own on a bench. We had to break the bad habit with the clubs. We had to break the bad habit with the, the, the management, the coaches. We had to break it all. And we're still doing it. We're still doing it. You know, that that Irish player is, yes, we know he gets 11 months of football. And we technically at the time were getting maybe a very small four or five months what could we do better? And I felt development squads were the way to go. And we sat down, Simon Gillespie, um, Mickey Quigg and I sat down um, and we drew up a five-year strategic plan as to what we needed to do and where we needed to be. Um, But the first thing was to identify the need and find and identify the problem area and where we could fix it from there. And it has just exploded. Um, and it has been the best thing that has happened. The county, with regards bringing them through, as now there is no there's no such thing as, ah, I'm not going to bother going. This fella's going to come out from Ireland. He's going to take my place. I've, I've no worth or anything here. I'm just going to blow off the summer, hang out with my buddies on the beach. That's all gone. Now it's the other way around, you know, and it's good for us. So what exactly happened, John? You came up with a few development squads for players within a certain age bracket, was it? And that yeah, they were to be, they, uh, do they play colleges then or who, who were they playing that you were able to develop? Well, what we did was we, we started the development squad first with 17 plus. So it was 17 to 22, 23. I mean, if a young man wanted to come in at 24, we, we didn't stop. And right from the get go, there was no cut. There was no such thing as you're cut if you don't do it. But there was a, a list of criteria required from the player. So it was dedication, respect, commitment, um, everything we give you, you had to take back to your club. We never crossed into the club. So we did this. We do all of these development trainings when the clubs are not playing so that there is no time away from the club. No player can use the excuse that he's got New York County development training over club training. You go to your club. Your club is first. And then we started putting together little curtain raisers before the May game, the county game. The senior these, are all, game. these are all American-born kids. Aren't all American-born kids, every one of them. Um, and from there, the football took off. Then Harlan took off. Camogie development took off. Uh, the minor board now have um, a U17, a U15 development. And the ladies have started up a new development as well. And we okay. still have the camogie as well. So it's just, it, it was there. It was just a matter of just tapping in and 
just embracing it and just giving, just telling them, look, you know, we have competition for you. You need to, look who's going to represent your county better than an American board, New York board kid. Nobody. You know, it's it's like you're from Cork. I'm from Kerry. You know, the grass to our own counties. Yeah, it is. It's the same for them. That jersey yeah. means the world to them. And they want that jersey. You could put Cullum Cooper into Gaelic Park or Dermot Connolly or, 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 or um, anybody else into Gaelic Park. And the kids would be like, OK, well, right. put Shane Hogan in. It's like they relate. You know, he's our county star in their eye. You know, and 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 don't get me wrong, they they know who they all are, but they relate to him. He put on the New York jersey. That's who they want to be. And I think and that really that really came to uh, when Saint Barnabas won the county yeah. final. It meant all like it was all the hard work seemed to be justified at that moment. It was, um, and to be fair, like Sligo are an outrageous club. They're an outstanding club. Um, the, I've utmost respect for the way they set up and how they conduct their business and you know yeah. their the players are a credit to their club and everyone that works in that club um are, are genuinely good hard-working people um but from a development side and to drive home everything that we've been doing it was never more evident than it was last year you had a pandemic you were shut down you had no social life. You had no outlet of any sort. Um, you gravitated back towards your game. There was no Irish people coming out from home. There was nobody going on vacation. And it was a time to really just capture. And we did. And we managed to just, I suppose, even people that just, as you know, the whole GA grab all association or, ugh, you know, whatever. I, I think, they finally realized that that's possibly the furthest thing we from, mm-hmm. from the truth. I think we give an awful lot more than people see. And I think they realized it last summer, I think more than ever. Um, and they realized the importance of the game, the culture, just the community spirit and just being able to go and have human contact and just sit and have the crack and watch a game of football. And honestly, we sat there... Just even, I thought it was never going to happen, to be honest. And there was days I sat there and I was like, I'd give anything to see a really, 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 really bad Junior C game. Like anything, 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 just because you missed it that much. So there's there's a a whole host of, of things. And I think more than anything, our players really needed it. And they needed that outlet. And I think a lot of them came home, came back to the family and realized, you know, your Saturday night crack out and blown off a Sunday match. The attitude changed. I think they realized how much the club's work was, how important your club was as a family. And more importantly, how important the entire GEA community was. So it really came home. Yeah, I think when you see, when you're when you're talking about the Gras there and how the kids look up to the older fellas like the the Hogan's, I was there on the day. The passion with the players was <laughs> yeah. something. It's it's it, it was no different than than the passion at home after a yeah. county fi- county yeah. finals that I've been at. Kids were running onto the pitch. They were their idols. They were looking up to the senior yeah. players, and it was the exact same. And sometimes it's kind of hard to envisage that that you have a group of young American-born lads like how do they have that Gras for for the sport? But they do. Oh, 
and you will not tell them that they cannot do something. Hmm. You will not tell them. They will prove you wrong time and time and time again. They keep me on my toes. There was this, and I, I don't, don't mind if you if you if you'd allow me to share a story. And and if I forget, we be please forgive. Um, one particular day during lockdown, Brendan and I had took a drive down to Gaelic Park. Just um, we had been getting word that local kids, I guess, had been breaking in and. Everything was on lockdown. College was out. We were out. And then obviously, you know, local kids, no more than our own kids looking for an outlet um, going in. But, you know, damage is done when there isn't eyes on things. And so we took a spin down. Um, and for some reason, my key wouldn't open the lock on the front gate. So I was like, what the hell did the college change the key here? Did somebody do something? But it had just been from not being used and, and just needed a drop of oil really so I opened the construction site gate and I was coming in that way and I was like yeah there's a handful of kids in here for sure I said how am I going to get in and run them out now before the college calls security or the 5-0 turn up or whoever um and I was getting steamed you know at the idea like I was how did they get in every entrance exits all locked tight I mean it's padlocked I couldn't figure it out. So I said, right, let me try my key again. And as I was going back out, I caught a gap that I was able to see clearly into the pitch. And I'm thinking, yeah, the kids are right. Uh, local kids. They're our kids. <laughs> um, and I managed to get the gate opened. Um, and I watched when I was going in, they didn't realize I was there. And I watched how they had, how they were going out. So I, Anyway, I got in the car and we drove to the top of the hill. Um, and here comes 10 young lads into two cars and the heads were going and they were bobbing and super cool and whatnot. Um, and I'm standing hand on hips. And all you can see is the faces going, ooh, oh, we're in trouble. She's here. Um, so I just said to them, lads, what are you doing? Like, we're in a complete lockdown here. And you're on private property somebody could have called and made a phone call why didn't she call me if you really needed to get in I might have been able to figure out where I could have had four or five of you and we weren't breaking any of the the, the, the regulations that were put in place and two heads just dropped and the tears welled up and they just looked and they were like we did not know where else to go we just needed to come home and they just it was just about what was normal for them, what was it comfortable for them, what they considered to be home, safe, secure, security blanket. Yeah. It's where they wanted to be. And they had an O'Neill's with them. And all they were doing was kicking a ball around. And it broke my heart to get into the car and I cried the whole way home. All they wanted was yeah. that. So I felt we had an obligation to do everything we could last year to try and get some kind of a competition going. How, how old were they, John? They were part of our development squads. They were right. 17, 18, okay. up, maybe maybe a little older, maybe 19, you yeah. know. But you yeah. could just see that yeah. the, the, the uncertainness of everything was starting to get to them. And we were only maybe a month, maybe five weeks into the two-week lockdown. Um, so that just kind of resonated with me for the rest of the year. And it kind of drove us on a little bit more than this year as well with our squads. Just get back to the development squads. How many of them are there, and how many kids do you have in under underage across the whole minor board? How many? 
how many kids are there playing either hurling or football in under the I believe we've record numbers of registrations this year um over any year um I'm going to say about 2600 kids registered in underage okay um right now I believe the minor board have two development of football they have a hurling I think there's two there's a hurling academy and a development squad the ladies have um Gaelic for girls have and then we have two as well so we've football and hurling and who do the the development squads who do they play against what 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 do they do they're training together are are they playing against other colleges and I know they went to the world game so how, how do you develop the development squads okay so prior to this mess um we had the world games which we'd be prepping for we had um we'd be taking um, games from senior teams in Philadelphia, um, curtain raisers. Um, We'd be going to the college, the university games, the college um, competitions at home. Um, So there was a lot to do. And the the times don't always suit because the college would be February into March, or last week of February, start of March. Um, The World Games was usually bang in the middle of the summer often clashes with our CYCs. And then, of course, obviously, the, the, the minor board are involved with the failures, uh, football and hurling as well. So a- extremely busy. So this year, will we get a game at county level? It's very doubtful. Mm. Uh, it doesn't look promising at all. Um, the realisation that, you know, they're not opening at home. Um, and the further it gets pushed out. Yeah. Uh, the chances of New York or London, I'd say, being even included in it will be slim again this year. And it's it's hard with two years in a trot, you know, to, to lose that. So the momentum, um, it's hard to keep that up. Um, the only good news is we're after getting into the junior All-Ireland, which is a huge boost. So that's what we're doing with them now. That's what they're looking for. That's what they're working for. And they're going to st- they've already put in a good eight weeks of graph, hard graph now already gone into the development um, and getting a head start on the fall so that uh, we'll start working on it from there with them again. Perfect. I'll come back to that in a second. I just want to go, so you were se- secretary for a couple of years. When did that plan go into place? So it was about six years ago, five-year plan? Or... It would have been six and a half years, yeah. Okay. Six and a half years. So you completed that and then you went for county chair. Of course, you were the first mm. ever female chairperson or we, can we say that? <laughs> Which were the first ever woman to be chair of uh, New York yeah, County Board. You can say that. Uh, you broke, uh, you shattered a glass ceiling here in that respect. Did that, does that weigh heavy on you? Or how much of, a, how much of an impact does that have on you personally um, becoming chair <sighs> and becoming the first woman chair? Does it? I think the chair alone is, 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 um, is daunting to state, to say the least. I, I, Anybody who puts their name forward for it doesn't do it nilly willy for sure. Yeah. I, I won't play the female card. I never yeah. have. I never will. Um, you have to do the work. You have to just put in the time. You have to do the work. You can't rest on laurels. You can't play the card. Are there challenges? Absolutely. Has there been things said All that right. may be inappropriate? Absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, you do get things said at times that may be, you know, inappropriate. Uh, but there's a big difference between, in my book, there's a big difference between uh, old boys versus 
totally wrong. And I think you have to know which is which, unfortunately. And I, I've known you, John. I know you're tougher. You're tougher than a lot of men out there. So <laughs> yes, because of ye. <laughs> no bother with you. So, John, you took you took you took over the chairpersonship. You, I suppose, you had plans for the next five years, and bang, struck with COVID last year. Um, one of the things was, I suppose, it progressed to development squads. Um, the second thing was, like, I suppose last year, talk us through last year, just to get the championship played was just, was a feat in itself. Yeah, I mean, needless to say, we didn't know. And every day the information was changing, you didn't know what you were dealing with, you didn't know, you know, was this just a flu? You know, what was the seriousness of it? Was it as bad as they said it was? Then you see country after country shutting down. And when you see New York shutting down, you know something is not right. Um it really was daunting. We didn't know whether or not we were going to get games going. And then I suppose we're fortunate in one sense. We don't actually fall into a category. We're not really recognized by the state as a sports. We're cultural. So we're very much a recreational cultural sport. I mean, to us, okay. it's, you wouldn't dare tell somebody who's Irish that we don't have a category because we won't be long telling you otherwise. But with regards the state, it was different. So, and we have a private facility, so we were very much able to control ourselves and try and, um, you know, try and work with the guidelines that were being laid out. Now, they didn't come easy. Um, you know, there was a lot of challenges. There was a lot of thought process, but I didn't do it on my own. And I made a concerted decision to include not just management, um, but also CCC into the plans because we were given executive uh, powers, um, I suppose, to, to without breaking rules as such, but maybe modify for the year that was in it um, and how we could go about doing that um, legally to a point um, without it causing problems, we'll say, for a normal year um, and being definitive in what we were doing, that this was solely 2020. Um, luckily, nothing had to be modified to the point that it caused any concerns. I mean, look, the modifications were there's no dressing rooms. Uh, I don't want to see anyone with a water bottle. Um, your masks were on. Players came tagged. You stayed on your own 50. Um you didn't encroach in another play, you know, another team's lines. Your yeah. your players stayed in their own. They potted out, um, you know, that sort of stuff. And there's there was a lot of positives actually to take away from it. it. It worked really well. I think our referees are delighted. All our games started on time this year, and the punter couldn't believe that they came in at six thirty in the game and were being thrown <laughs> up, uh, which was really good um, because you know that 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 kick around warm up before yeah. the chat in the dressing room and then the you know, the jerseys are on and then there's another warm up and then your game is 20 minutes late starting. And then you have the next team coming in screaming. It'll be 11 o'clock before they get home. Um, so, yeah, that there was that. Um, obviously, the concern there was no sanctions. There was no summer players. How many teams would actually survive without them? Yeah. Um, and I'm absolutely buzzing. Um, we had... Five teams didn't field in total. Okay. Which was unbelievable out of what we have. I mean, we have 
46, 47 teams. So out of that amount of teams, a very, very tiny percentage couldn't do it. And I, and, and again, no disrespect to those clubs, um, but work is needed and they themselves have to be accountable for their own um, survival. Um, you know, we can only do so much, but if you're relying on players coming out all the time and something like this happens, you realise the importance of what we've been doing here for the last six years. Yeah. So did you think, do you think the setup here now, John, particularly with the senior, is going to change going forward because of last year, because there were no sanctions coming in? Um, you, we were involved in Kerry, obviously, and do you want to speak about why they, why they took a step back? There was be, it was in relation to that, wasn't it? The reliance of sanctions coming yeah. in and having to deal with them, having to put them up, and you wanted to focus on, um, Kerry decided to focus on home-based players before oh, COVID hit. So just to jump in here, Kerry Club New York had two teams, a senior team and a junior team, but were relying heavily on summer sanctions to make up the numbers for senior. They decided to withdraw from senior championship last year and field just one junior A team in order to rebuild the club around New York-based players. The aim was to win the junior A championship, get promoted to intermediate, and then hopefully win the intermediate championship, which would give them promotion back to senior and ultimately regain their senior status. Kerry won the Junior A Championship last year and because it proved so successful, Kerry will field an intermediate team this year because of promotion as well as a new Junior B team. Um, I think from just from our own club, we had two teams, but it was about one team, not a club. And it was about our seniors all the time. And you could see that in our juniors. And they were the backbone of the club. You know, they weren't your elite player, but they were your hard graft. They were the lad that turned up. Yeah. Whenever you needed anything, if you were stuck and someone couldn't make, they were the ones that were willing to give up their junior status to come up and sit in the bench to be pulled off for 15 minutes to help you get over a line. That's what your club is about. Um, and I just felt we threw the kitchen sink at it the year before. We carry. Yeah, we yeah. threw the kitchen sink at that championship the year before and it did not work. I was exhausted. I was also looking at the chair. I was also looking at, you know, I had been so involved in that club. Um, I needed people to take, to step up, but everybody was afraid of the pressure. And we talked to the players and we called them in and we asked them, you, were, you yourself were there. And we just said, we felt that the club was no longer, that it was too individualized and that we needed to, re- to rein it back and work on building a base. And we did. And we have two teams this year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to be said for it. The lads went out. They all they came out of the woodwork. We put in a junior B team this year. Now, there'll be a few of them needing a defib by the end of the game. But <laughs> if they get a 10-minute run, there's a few of them haven't kicked the ball in a while. But you know what? That's what the club is about. Yeah. You know, yeah. we want everyone to enjoy it too. You know, you take it serious when you need to, but you need to be a club and you just have to... Yeah. You know, build. Yeah. So, do you think that this is going to replicate our other senior clubs looking at that? And I think going back to our earlier comment about about uh, debunking myths and stuff, I think that uh, when Pat O'Sullivan was making the point that time on the podcast, he was saying that um, that there's no kind of bricks and mortar clubs, or there's no community clubs like the Shannon Gales, so that you can build the club up like a Shannon Gales. Well, with all due respect, when you have somebody saying that um, and would be very easy, fast to hand over a number to a lad, you know, to come out and would have no hesitation either in making sure that they were all looked after. So, like I said, we, we won't go there with it. Um, um, 
what 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 what, sorry, what I get at is that you don't have any like the club the clubs are relying on this it is a lot of the clubs weren't over. though Michael okay. a, a lot of them weren't I think majority of them were see because there was none of junior and junior B there's no sanctions at all junior A there was two players I had two players not making or breaking we had cut I, to be fair to New York and this is why I was probably upset over that was we had cut our reliance as a county down to minimal amounts of sanctions. Like I I can tell you um, some years ago, there was like eight sanctions and it was per team. So that was 16 sanctions that Kerry would have gotten back in the day. Then that was dropped again. So I think New York has done an awful lot of work and, 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 you know, that's one of the reasons I think an awful lot of us were very, very upset over some of those um, statements regarding bricks and mortar because Barnabas is a bricks and mortar. Rangers was a bricks and mortar. Um, St. Pat, St. Ray's. Um, to be fair to a lot of the clubs, um, and they all have Irish lads playing for them. So they're not just, you know, there was a nice, and, and there was Irishmen started those clubs, you know. Um, so the majority of the teams were down. Like There was only four sanctions at senior for the last number of years. And then it was three at intermediate, two at junior. So we weren't even in total less than, two sanctions per county coming out from Ireland. So when you look at it, when you, you know, that's yeah. what it would break down at. Um, were the clubs, you know, if I was bringing Tommy Joe, somebody else was bringing Mickey Joe because he might be a better player. So was there rivalry on that? Yeah. And, and, and that became, that became a problem because um, you could see that, like club would get a really good, solid, hardworking senior footballer, club player, and then next one would bring, you know, an inter-county, maybe under 21, next club is bringing a senior inter-county yeah. player. And it was, and that became a, a problem for the clubs, no question. But I mean, our dependency on, on players coming out the last number of years um, has definitely diminished. I mean, four players, is not going to is not enough anymore but you always had the transfer coming out as well and they're always great because that's a lad that's transferring out here and he's going to be staying and he, he he's going to be living in the county and stuff but even those four players were causing too much of a financial strain um on clubs and i think a lot of them realized it's not sustainable yeah it's not and, and financially it's not sustainable mm. And, you know, I mean, bringing a sanctioned player out here right now, I, I don't know where you'd even go about trying to accommodate them, even even work, you know. So it was. I think it was more the financial sustainability of that yeah, of course, more yeah. so than anything else. And again, you have four lads coming out from home. Yes, four lads are sitting down. There is no question on that. But those are choices clubs make at the end. But like I said, from Kerry's perspective, we decided enough was enough with it and we weren't going to do sanctions and we just couldn't compete anymore. And financially we were out of the game. Okay. We felt we'd put the money back into the club and into our own lads here rather yeah. than. I think that was the point that was kind of being made. And I will, we, we, we'll agree to disagree and move on. But I think that the point yeah. was that there was bars pumping money into these looking after players and you're like, Jeez, it's really should be pumped into the into the into the clubs like you know, to but it was being too and that didn't come across you know so and I'm leaving it at that 
So, uh, so this year, Joan, we're, you're planning ahead. We were full speed ahead for championship. You can, can you, you can confirm that championship is going to go ahead again this year? We have 12 teams in Junior B. Um, we have a new season, a new division, Navas. Um, four new teams in there, um, very much Navas, um, which is where they belong to start out with. Um, let them get their feet wet, let our development officers or Simon and Mickey get a handle on them, give them a hand on rebuilding and structuring and getting their coaching Fantastic. and whatever needs to be done there and giving them and let them compete at that level. Um, so there's no blowouts because the, the, it's, there's nothing worse than putting a young team out in the field and coming up against course, scene yeah. one and getting blown out first game doesn't really send the right message. Um, so you four there. Four 12. brand new junior B teams, is it? Yeah. Okay. Novice. 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 Uh, forget Junior B. We Teams all over the place. Um, anyone that tells me that New York GA is struggling, I have news for them. We have... So what do you mean by Novice? Are they playing each other? Is it the four of them will play? There's each four other? teams in a Novice Championship, yeah. So, so they'll like do a, a double round. C, kind of yeah. a Junior C, like it's all fantastic. Yeah. So, and we didn't want to call it Junior C. You know, yeah. we don't want to be, you know, belittling the, the situation. And they, they would be very novice Um So... And they're looking for players, I hear. They're looking for anyone to come on uh, yeah. board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, everybody is. Everybody is kind of like, come on back. Nobody's taking themselves super serious. Um, so in Junior B this year, we have, in addition to last year, Kerry have a Junior B. Waterford started up a brand new football club. NYPD stayed, which was really good. Um, we have a care hurling one. team. Oh, Rockland have another team back in, and Donovan Ross have put in a B team. I knew I had. I knew I had a few teams there. Um, and then Clare I have revived back at Hurlan, Junior Hurlan, which is brilliant. Um, yeah, so 10 teams of Junior A. Fantastic. Six and six then at Intermediate and Senior. And I mean, obviously, the push is on to get everybody up into Intermediate and Senior, um, which is the most important thing now. And so is there a, what's the hurling looking like? Eight teams, four and four. Yeah, so Good. quite content. Tipperary have a second team back this year again. Brilliant. So Tipperary, senior, junior. Um, then you have Limerick, which are... Limerick, keep an eye on Limerick. Limerick are coming. Um, <laughs> take it from me. Um, <laughs> Limerick are 95% All-American. Uh, most of them are on the development squad. So I'm really Brilliant. excited to see how well they go. They really have. I mean, you look, Hurland's not easy for anybody. Yeah. You know, you either have it or you don't have it. Um, it's not something that it doesn't come as easy as football. So there is a lot more work goes into the development. Of, but uh, Connor Higgins has been brilliant. Toby Kavanagh, um, obviously Mickey Quigg, Richie Hartman is the chairman of the the Hurland division. Couldn't ask for a better bunch of young, enthusiastic, um, cool, you know, managers and coaches and trainers and the kids just totally relate to them and I'll call them kids till they're 50 because <laughs> they're all they're, they're all my kids but uh yeah so we've been getting numbers of 26 to 30 lads turning out once a week for for that um so you know that Limerick Hurling team is definitely going to explode at some stage so are you seeing a net increase in players this year with, yeah. with those new teams? Fantastic. What, what do you think that's done to John? Do you think more people, uh, what's the reason for it? Do you know, can you put your finger on it? It's free. <laughs> well, I suppose One. because you think it's really the pandemic, people looking to get out. Yeah. Two. Yeah. 
the socialization, yeah. the structure of it, um, just the, I think just the club aspect, family, mm. family, more than anything, family. It's just everybody networking again. You know, we have gotten away, I suppose. Uh, people came out here years ago and they was like, Gaelic crap, network, 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 network. Then you could kind of get the same network in a bar nearly, yeah. you know. But um, when all that went away, what, there was only one thing left. Um, and it doesn't cost the player anything. Time. Mm. It's not costing him a penny of insurance. The clubs pay it and the board pay it. Um, we do things different than home. So the clubs pay their share. The board picks up the balance of it. Um, you know, what's it costing them? A pair of boots, a bit of time. But look what they get out of it, you know? So you're going to have Lee kicking off next month, John, is it? And then championship proper. When, when, when will that happen, May? Junior B Championship proper starts next month um, okay. because of the number of teams we have. We've 72 games in Junior B alone. Um, I hope you yeah. referees. <laughs> You're on standby. Um, yeah, so 72, 72 games in Junior B. So a league was not possible there or the championship wouldn't be okay. finished at this time next year. And then obviously we have to take into consideration, um, you know, we're always going to get that rainstorm. Thunderstorm. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and COVID's not gone. So all of that has to be taken and factored in again this year with regards dates, finals. Will will we have spectators this year or yeah. what? There will be spectators. And just touch on last year, John, the streaming was, of course, forced in the end because of uh, COVID. But it would prove very success, successful, I, I imagine. So I was looking at the reactions all around the world. It was yeah. a great way of expanding yeah. the audience, wasn't it? It was. And again, I suppose the fact that we had games going on at that level where the rest of the diaspora around the world didn't have. Yeah. Um, so it was something for them to watch. And I don't know if there's any Irish person anywhere in the world that doesn't have some connection to New York. There's some, whether they lived here, visited here, family here, friends here, whatever it is, there's some connection here. And I think most people just love New York in, in general anyway. But um, yeah, the streaming was, uh, I, and the quality was excellent. I have to say, I watched them. I didn't enjoy the games on the day. I got to watch them back afterwards. They were a lot. They were a lot less stressful to watch the day after. But um, yeah, they were. It, it was great. Um, we'll probably do it again this year, depending okay. on how things go. But um, again, we're a private facility. We right now it's at fifty percent. You know, um, we're outdoor. And you're so, in the city city boundaries, sort of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we're, you know, I mean, look, uh, people, the, the, the park can hold 8,000 people. Eight, you know? is it? Okay. Yeah. Between, yeah. we'll say the bar restaurant and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and the, the benches and stuff, we can, it's upwards of that. I mean, now, wouldn't you love if you had that kind of a crowd, but that's not going to be happening anytime too soon. Yeah. But, you know, just having a couple of hundred people in there, the stands hold 4,000 people legally. Yeah. So we know what, you know, we know ourselves. Um, yeah. So I'm not even. And so what we're just going to, the only thing we're going to be missing is the sanctions again this year. But of course, with, with that, it comes opportunity for fellas who are live, living out here to just, oh. it's going to be the same squad throughout I the year. I wouldn't go so far as to say they mightn't be here. Um, we've not, we've, we never changed our rule. Um, I think you might see a few. Okay. Um, however, I think you'll see sanctions in the form of 
young men who were maybe born here like me and are coming back out on a US passport. Right, That's okay. what I could see. Okay. Um, but as regards visas, yeah, I can't. I mean, you you and I both know that um, they were supposed to, the, the visa ban uh, was only supposed to be until April 1st, which is around the corner. And the, the, the countries that rely on those visas are still in level four and five lockdown. Yeah. So I can't imagine that those are going to be opened up anytime soon. We are so lucky after this time last year with the epicenter of the epicenter and for the yeah. for it to go ahead last year. And I know from Cork, there's still my own club Nemo are waiting to play last year's county final. And here we are in New York getting ready for championship next month. So we're, we're we, very lucky. We, would you believe we did from U8 or what's it now, U7, all the way right through, right through not missed a game. I mean, did we have a couple of hiccups along the way? Luckily for us, we had only um, two reported cases. But that's the difference, as you know, from living here. We test on a regular basis here. We're required to test. We've no choice but to test, be it for work or, you know, whatever it is. Testing was kind of done on a regular basis. Um, So it was easy to kind of find a case more so than having a, a, a cluster. So we got very lucky, no cluster. We had two individual reported cases um and that was it so we got super lucky super lucky very good i think so, they're all immune at this stage <laughs> so go so as well joan you touched on it a second ago there's going to be a junior team going forward to, to play intercounty yeah. and of course the yeah. senior game it might go ahead it might not go ahead uh the senior game of course is a huge like it's kind of like the pinnacle of the of the year here. It's where you get most people. It's an awful loss to have it two years in a row. Two years it, in a it row. May yeah. go ahead. Did any? Did you form any team this year? I put some stuff in place, but um, there wouldn't be a team traveling here. Yeah. So, you know, we're prepared to pull things together if we need to pull things together. If we're given the go ahead that we can travel, I mean, look you know that the rollout of the vaccine here has been very successful in New York um, in, in comparison. I'm not even familiar with the other states, but I mean, I have to say it's becoming increasingly easy to get a vaccine now. So um, I would hope that, you know, in the next six to eight weeks, anyone who wants to have it can will have it. Um, I genuinely can't see... I genuinely can't see. There's been no definitive um, decision made on it. I would be delighted if we did. I mean, we'll travel. We're not afraid to travel. Um, But I think realistically, it most likely would be next year for us. Um, And that will be with both teams. And please God, that one of the three motions that are on the agenda for special Congress, that um, the tier two will go ahead uh, and the Tintown Cup will go ahead, Talton Cup will go ahead. And we'll be playing in a competition where it'll be at our own level and we can work from there. Um, I mean, I love the Connacht Championship. We love that day. It's a huge day for, again, Diaspora. It's a great day for meet and greet. People come from everywhere. But coming up against Mayo, um, you know, you're talking tier, top tier team and Galway. It's tough. It is tough. Yeah. Um, and the work we're doing you know, we're competitive against Sligo, we're competitive against Leitrim. We've always had a really good, we've always done really good against Roscommon. I don't know, you know, even though they're a division ahead of us, maybe even two divisions ahead of us, 
Um, we've always had a really good um, competition against them and stuff. But I mean, realistically, Mayo and, 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 and Galloway are just that little bit outside the reach at the moment. So, you know, getting into a, a, a tier two where we're playing with against the same level of player and the same standard and stuff can only benefit us. So are you saying that New York will not go into the Connacht Championship? They'll go straight well, they, into the tier? Or they no, play that the first? Connacht Championship is still in play. Um, play I think that, that'll be... Possibly if they lose, they and go that into is, the, From okay. what I understand, that's an, uh, that's something we'll, we'll decide on. I mean, I don't think anybody in New York wants to part with Connacht Championship. Um, but the great thing about the, 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 the other competition would be we'd get an away and a home. So you'd have another team coming here too. You know, if you won your if you won your game at home, next game is on your turf. So it's okay. an away and a home game. So you know that that's also something to look at um, as well. And that's just the senior competition. So from, sorry, would, would, sorry, stop there. So would you play your your first senior Connacht Championship game at home? Would, would uh, that, that they don't know yet. Okay. They, so that structure been, hasn't been. Nothing no. has been decided. No. So what's been, what are you what 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 are you the county board looking to to have? What are you proposing that you go? I mean we. Like I said, we, we if we get into the whichever whichever of the three motions that are on the table is passing. Look at it. New York is 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 involved in all three motions. Um, it depends on whether or not the provincials will stay the way we know them. Okay. As to whether or not we're going to be, and and we won't have the final say in that. That's going to be that's going to be a Congress decision. Okay. Um. So I don't want to speculate on on how that goes, but. Listen, we'll play. We don't mind as long as we get a game home here in New York. Yeah, we'll travel to the ends of the world for the next one. We don't mind. And tell me about the junior, the new, the new motion for the junior team that's going to be passed. And of course, you're. I won't be able to play because I'm not born here, John. I was looking forward. <laughs> uh, too, 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 tough, tough there. Sorry, sir. And uh, that, that, that. I, I, I'll still uh, hold you out. For, I'll still hold out for senior. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll be all right at senior. Uh, we'll get. We'll get you. We'll get you. Water boy or something, you'll grant. <laughs> I could play a uh, goal. <laughs> you could do goals, actually. Yes, you could. Uh, no, I have to say, Larry McCarthy um, had done a little bit of homework on this as well on our behalf. Um, I think the junior championship, as we knew it, was 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 was. I don't know. Did it have enough of? Wasn't getting enough of notoriety, I suppose, for the want of a, a, a better word. And I think. The initial structure about development and counties developing um, didn't work out as well as it should have. I mean, look, Kerry won five in a row on that one. You know, I don't know that that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, all Ireland's are all Ireland's, doesn't matter, you know. But I think for the weaker counties, and then I don't think there was much of an appetite so as opposed to just scrapping that competition, they had come back with a, a proposal that, you know, they start with um, a weekend competition. Um, so it's the British University uh, winner, the runner-up, Kilkenny, New York to start with. It's two semifinals and a final. It is in All-Ireland. It'll be over the course of a weekend. And I think the intention with it is that as you go forward, you could have USGA in there. And you would have Europe or Australasia or somebody else putting in a team, and and it would be for the right reasons, you know, for 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 the the development of the game and for the the broader GA community outside of the island. 
And they would be a home-based New York junior team, would it? Yeah. All um, Okay, All so them. let me just get this correct and right so that there is nobody going to come back afterwards and say it. You <laughs> must have come through the youth division, period. Okay. Now, the, the rule is different in the rule book. It's you must be U.S. born. Uh, New York has a mandate. You must have come through the youth division. There is not much point doing that when somebody like me could walk up with an American passport. Again, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you come through the youth division you've, for all the right reasons. Okay, yeah. fantastic. So, the, so I won't have people screaming at me <laughs> that they weren't allowed to try out. If you didn't come through the minor board, you're not coming on the team. You mentioned Larry, Larry McCarthy there, of course, yeah. the New York. Uh, he's the new uh, Uchtaran, uh, the new president of the GA. Have you been in touch with Larry over the last couple of months? And uh, I suppose the question we want to know here is, will his role, actually, will his role give us an edge here in New York? <laughs> I look at Larry's a great man. New York is always, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to, you know, the challenges he has. I, I, I can't even begin to, to get my head around them. I mean, of all, I said, God's definitely weren't looking down on him or me. <laughs> it all happened in the same year but no in fairness to, to Larry he's he's very smart um he's got a great head in his shoulders um I've no doubt he will lead accordingly and needless to say look he's surrounded by amazing individuals as well in in, in Dublin and you know John Horn will always be on the other end of a phone as well to guide and stuff and I, that, again goes back to the word I've been used and I throw it around a lot was that whole family too you know, everybody is pulling in the right direction there. It's yeah. not like anybody is, oh, you should do it this way or do it that way. Everybody wants the games opened and stuff and get things going back to normal. Um, the challenges he has to climb are just horrific. But he's calm. Anyone that knows Larry doesn't get carried away. Um, he'd always said to me, settle Settle, settle, settle. Take a breath, settle. Um, and that's, you know, he, but he does. He takes that yeah. breath, you know. Um, it's hard to put into words how to describe him. I always found him to be just, he's a very straight man. You know, there's no BS with him. He's straight as a dime. You might like it, but you'll respect it. Mm. Believe me, we had our battles down through the years when he was in chair as well. But there were good battles. You know, there was no... They were always just basically I would have been a delegate defending my club for whatever reason or might have disagreed with the, something. Um, but he never, you know, there was never any animosity with that. There was never any, nothing was ever personal. Did your job, moved out. You could have a drink five minutes later. Um, and I find him easy, very easy to work with. And he's, um, he's approachable, you know. Um, but I think he has a really good grasp of the struggles of clubs. I think he saw that here and I think he sees that here and it's a different, I know at home you've got the rural side of things and maybe the lack of players coming through, but we had that here too for a while, you know, and trying to hold on. And I think he, I think he relates to that. And I think he really can resonate with and understand that the club needs at home more importantly. Um, And I think it's good. I think he's the right man to, 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 uh, to highlight and I think the split season is is ideal you know I yeah. think it's really good to 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 give the clubs back what they need they do yeah. need it because they're the backbone of the entire organization and without a doubt 
There's no clubs, question. Yeah, the clubs need a break. I played for years and it's all year long and you can't plan anything. And it's yeah. been, it's just really, it becomes more than, it, it does take a certain element of the enjoyment out of it. So well, ho- hopefully that will be a, a remedy to the, to the situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw it myself there. I have a, a friend uh, at home and he's from my own club. And just like 11 and a half months of the year and you do one thing, have one bad game at inter-county and you're ripped apart. You're not allowed a life. You give up your family. You give up a social life. um, You give up any type of normalcy for the love of a game. Um, And where do you wind up always back with your club? You know, so, yeah, I I would be an advocate myself for the clubs. I never minded playing all year round, but it was the unknown and not being able to plan two weeks ahead was just was madness. Do you think Larry will uh, shine a light on the the clubs outside outside of Ireland more? Do you think that he'll? I think that actually has been done. To be fair, I think okay. there's a really good pathway to that. Um, his predecessor was brilliant. His predecessor and his predecessor. So we've had a phenomenal. Like I can go back to Nicky Brennan, Sean Kelly. Um, and everybody on from there, have, we've always had a really, really good, strong connection with Dublin. They've always had um, a very positive uh, attitude about New York um, and particularly um, the growth of the GA outside of the island. So, I mean, we're all over the world now. I mean, there's, there isn't a corner of the world that there isn't some football or a hurl being or camog yeah. um, being played. So. We actually now have um, half of the half of it was passed at Congress. Um, we have a World GEA constitution, um, so you know we meet on a regular basis now, um, which is very important because we know what we need. And each of the units outside, it doesn't necessarily clubs at home or counties at home wouldn't quite grasp some of the constraints that we have and the challenges that we have as well so trying to fit some of that stuff to and make it sometimes it's like putting a square pin in a round hole you know it it, it, it just doesn't fit um so having that world ga committee now in place there'll be a new chairperson appointed to that um we have our own little constitution as well we're still governed you know but it's just if there was something regarding, um, we can actually, as a World GA committee, outside of our own unit, I mean, we still are an independent um, county of Congress and all the rest of it, but we can put in a motion to Congress now as a World GA that would work, okay. you know, uh, which is very important to be able to do that because it carries, obviously, a lot more strength um, and trying to explain, to, you know, trying to get up on the floor and trying to pass a motion. This will come in from that group, which is really good. But we have fantastic workshops. Um and is this a new entity, is it, John? Was this well, just... the World GA has been going on for years and years. Like I said, it was, I can't even remember who put it in place first, but I mean, I've been attending World GA meetings for, All right, I'm, okay. going, I'm going to say nearly 10 years, maybe more. And is it out of that the World, the world Games came about yeah. through that? Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's been, a, it's it, the, world G, the, the World Games is, if you're, if, if we get an opportunity, I think it's 2024 now because of COVID. All right, okay. Um, it would it should have been it should be next year. Can I play um, now? <laughs> you can actually, yeah, because we'll be taking the next Pats team home in it. 
we'll get you in there. We'll bring, we'll bring you for that Perfect. one. I was just going to say that the loss of the Mayo game, or I say the Mayo game because they're the last team here, but the, the loss of the, the, the home Galway. game every year, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Galway game, that is a bit like, did that have, naturally had a big impact on the coffers? Did it? Does this? Ah, uh, yeah. Look at, I mean, it's our biggest payday of the year. I mean, okay. it pays a chunk of our bills for the year. Um, there's no, there's no getting around that. Um, needless to say, the financial cons- the financial issues are are no different from the air home. Yeah, you know, there's okay. no question. We'll we'll feel it as well, but we're very resilient in this town. I think New Yorkers will come. I, I the one thing I've always found here is if you're taking a team home, <laughs> if you're taking a team home for a championship, they're all in. They're all in. Yeah. The, the pride just booms out of it. You saw it in that final. It didn't matter. You had as many people shouting for Sligo as you had for Barnabas. You had neutrals that were in because obviously the local kid was 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 on that team, or you know you had a, a local team made up of kids that they all knew. They will support, and I've no doubt um, the, the the Irish community here will 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 support us. Um, and they will back us 101 percent when it when it comes to time to doing that. It was you know, a fant- no it was just a fantastic day. I, I think it was a boost for everyone, no matter how, just because of the pandemic, but it was just kind of reinforced about the work that you were doing underage and how you can and how lads born here can compete at the very top. At the very I can tell you I have blanks. A lot of that <laughs> day is blank. I, 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 I can tell you blank. My nerves were Beside myself, I was beside myself. Um, well, just walk you up and don't give me out to people so you didn't miss. Put your mask on. <laughs> Put your mask on. Do not get me shut down. Put your mask on. Yeah, I was called a lot of names that day. Um, but you know what? I, I, I like, a, like one man gave me an awful hard time about it, and I, you know, I was like, "Look, it's a small ask. Put it on until you get to your seat. Take it off." You get up, you want to go to the bar, put it on. You want to use the bathroom, put it on. It's not a big ask. Um, so I think at one stage he passed me and he had chocolate bar in his mouth so that he didn't have to put the mask up. And I think the next time he passed me the cup of tea. And I think the third time he just looked and he didn't have anything. He was trying to pull it up. And I was like, could you not just for a second? I don't. And please, people don't take this wrong. I don't care if you don't want to wear the mask. I don't care. I'm telling you to be in Gaelic Park, you will wear it because if you don't and you expose our players, that's them not available to play. That's their club down. That's their opposing team down. And that is you sitting at home for two weeks waiting to spend your $5 again because you were responsible for exposing those people. And my job was to protect our players. And if you couldn't abide by that, then, sorry. Is the rule where when you go in and once you take your seat, you can take it off? Yeah, same as in a restaurant. restaurant. Yeah, same. Just take it off. Just moving around because, look, you don't know. And I just don't need the players. I mean, the players... Health and safety of our players is paramount for me, and our and our volunteers. More importantly, John, um, one of the things we brought up in this podcast before was the uh, a, a possible. And I spoke to you before. You're going to shoot me down, Australia straight away, but a USA championship that that would um, that's that something like that where the New York uh, county team would play a, a Philadelphia or go to no. Chicago, and then they 
then they'd go into the no then they go into the all and tell me the problems with that and why that wouldn't well, happen we're two different counties um we're two different uh, two different jurisdictions for a start i mean usga have we've three we've three states they've got the rest of them um so it doesn't work um the season doesn't work um we're we're a county board on our you know they are as well to a point but they're they're, they're um I don't even know how to word this right. Um, for them to pull a USGA team together would be very difficult because you've got Boston and Chicago, Philadelphia, you know, it's not. And then the standard is slightly different as well. You know, I mean, if you were taking on Boston, New York taking on a selection of Boston, then there'd be no sanctions allowed there. What do you mean? Um, they got... USGA, I think something like 11 sanctions. Also, the Boston would be relying on their sanctions to form a team. Well, they, they, they well, now listen, they, they're making huge strides as well. I mean, their yeah. dependency is, is lessening as well. But when God love them, they got no games last year. But no, it, it, it won't work. Um, it was tried in the past. It's, there's too many, there's too many, um, there's too many difficulties trying to get it with, you know, their championship playoffs um, are the end of August. Ours could be in the middle of a. You could be in the middle of a championship, um, and then trying to put a New York team together. And then by the, we've tried to get games going um, in the past. You know, like in October, New York versus Boston, and so on and so forth. Um, they don't always work out so well. No, this would be an intercounty playoff preceding the game in May that you'd have. You'd go do a little. You might play Chicago, or Boston, and then the winner will go into the. Uh, going to the Connacht Championship in in May that you'd you'd play the teams in February March and then my my thinking behind it was you'd give a bit of uh, exposure to the who's on the New York team this year and then you'd um you, you're kind of building a following of the New York team and they'd well if you and- can find I'll tell you what so I'll just put it like this to you if you can find some place in Boston some place in Chicago and some place in New York in February to play a football match let me know. All right, we're putting the call out there. <laughs> yeah, you, you. If Chicago will be minus twenty degrees, yeah. Boston will be under snow, and so will New York. Okay. So yeah, no. Listen, it 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 never worked. Listen, we've tried, we've tried to do. We've always gotten really good games. Um, we've gotten some really good games between Boston and New York. We've always had great fun and stuff. We always got a friendly off of Boston in the lead up to to games. Um, but it's also a risk, a uh, huge risk. Our lads might be training um, for weeks, maybe even two months before you get that friendly. Boston would only be starting out. There's a difference in pace. Pick injuries get picked up easily, as you know. You're coming up against a team that hasn't maybe the fitness level isn't there. Lads would be just throwing themselves around. Um, we've had quite a few nasty injuries um, in the past with it. But uh, as regards like an intramural competition, I don't know what you're saying. We'd love to do something like that. But I think the USGA's situation with the way their games start and when their season starts um, and then ours as well, just never really kind of, okay. they're not flush. Yeah. Um, and there's always been, and then there's just the constraint factor on top of everything else. It's just adding another layer of competition I don't want. Mm. I live not in right hope. Now. I live in hope. <laughs> I, I won't keep you longer now, but I have to touch on the... Um, one of your goals when you started off as chair was a course to develop Gaelic Park, the clubhouse there. Um, there's a lot of people, even myself, I'm a bit unsure. Will you, will you tell me the, 
small history of Gaelic Park, who has the rights to the pitch, who has the rights to the clubhouse, and what's going on with the clubhouse. Clubhouse is, is uh, New York GA. So they rent, New York rents that off, yeah. off the MTA. We have a lease, yeah. And yeah. that's a, is that a 10 year rolling lease, is it? Or how, how it's is a it? 10, yeah. But uh, because we're there so long, uh, we have, um, we're not going anywhere. They're not, okay. they won't, they can't really. Um, so it's not even a discussion to be had on it. That's us. Um, the pitch is a shared lease, contrary to popular belief. Manhattan College can't get the lease unless we're involved in the lease. So we, um, so they have the lease and then we have a sublease with them. But as regards the MTA, we're on the main lease with the college as well. So we have a decent partnership there. Um, I have to say, you know, we work really, really well together anytime we need the pitch. I mean, we we have dates, times, months or whatever. And to be very fair to them, you know, they'll always give us extra. Um, we have tons and tons of time in the park. I mean, look at the amount of games we get played down there and there's never a dicky board out of us. And the schedule regards, kind of complements each other, doesn't it? We play Gaelic is on in the summer, college is on holiday. Uh, yeah, and then by the time they're back, um, we're happy enough with a seven o'clock game in the evening and they're finished. Yeah. You know, so it works quite well. Um, as but regards t- the development. But tell me, did, 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 did the New York County board have the, have the full lease on that for like going back decades and lost the lease i don't know how it happened that's like, and i just hear so many different stories i'm wondering can you shed a light on it on what happened uh a row a row between all you know, donald was to be honest with you i wasn't involved i was only okay. a punter the same as everybody else at the time okay um it happened shouldn't have happened and manhattan, never have came happened. In, manhattan came in then and were able to get the the yeah. main lease of yeah. the MTA and how long do they have yeah. that lease for then how long does that they're the same it's a 10 year lease everything, lease in this, also. everything in New York wouldn't go beyond the 10 year lease anyway um, it, it, it works well I mean we've you know we so, what we're doing and we'll complement what they're doing once our clubhouse is up and running and it's finished um, I, no doubt they'll be using it as well or they'll be looking for dates and times as well so it'll, it'll, it'll balance it, itself out so how does the lease work do they do they have the if it's shared, but do they have like the main say on the pitch? If they needed a day, it's that it's their it's no. their cut. It's a shared no, no, lease. No, no, we have we have we've definitive times and dates put into that. Okay. That's in the lease. So from a particular time in April right through the Sundays or hours, there's no question. If they need a Sunday, they'll work with us on it. Uh, I had like I said, we have a really good partnership there. I mean, we they could turn around and say no to us on the Saturday before the big game. And that would never happen. Okay. You know, we have it all day, you know, for clean up and getting ready and prepping and whatnot. There's never an issue with them. I have to say they're, they're, they're easy. They're very easy to deal with and work with. We have a good relationship. Okay. So tell me about the, the clubhouse and where the development mm. is at there. What are the plans? Because I, I know going back, I just want to have this clear because I, I got conflicting things. There was, there was plans for maybe a bigger clubhouse and got scaled back it's now the plans that you've seen that have been up online that virtual link that we put up that's what it's the intention of is that on your the website is it yeah it should be on the website yeah um anybody that wants can email um the secretary and he'd be happy to send out the link as well it's all over our social medias it's beautiful it will be phenomenal we just have been hitting 
it's my it's my Achilles heel. Um, I, it's like hitting a bloody brick wall half the time. I had to call the pile driver. He was twenty minutes from Gaelic Park to tell him turn around in the road that New York State had just completely shut down with construction. It was a freeze. As in, they broke ground last year. Just be, be yeah. He was he was on his he was twenty minutes from Gaelic Park with the pile with the rig. Okay. Um. So, needless to say, that set us back in our behinds. Um, then, obviously, with the lockdown, you know, it's all everybody saying, well, why didn't you start then afterwards? Why did you start there afterwards? So we didn't know whether we were coming or going for ages. Um, you know, I suppose one of my big concerns is the financial side of things. I, I, I don't want to be responsible for having any deficits and stuff. I need to make sure that we're um, that we can sustain ourselves and that we're not putting ourselves um our backs to the wall i won't do that i and i make no bones about that i'm not going to do that i raised a family on a budget you know i know what it is to to be in a pinch um and i certainly won't have that on my conscience um then obviously dublin's money is going to be slow rollout i mean the, the, the it's still there but they put a they put a freeze on all capital gain on all capital projects. Um, okay. If we can show that we have the cash flow to move things in phases, they'll allow that to happen. So that's where we're at at the moment. Um, I'm currently working on a plan to phase things out. We have it phased out, so I'm just waiting to phase one now, which is the piles and the slab. So, okay, patience, please. We so, will get this done. But so it's been- I can't. It's been on hold for for the last twelve months. So I was supposed to yeah. every, everything's. And do you have any idea when it will go go ahead again? I'm hoping to be starting this by the summer. Um, I really am. So I mean, and then people also have to understand that the, that the amount of people that have been supporting this project and have been working on this project, and the committee that's involved in this project, are businessmen, Irish businessmen. Yeah, Mike Carty from Rosie O'Grady's and Frankie Dwyer and Eugene Brophy, they're all business people. Their lives have been just desecrated. You know, I mean, to put pressure on them right now would be wrong also. We've got to give them a chance to get their door back opened, uh, you know, and, and be able to turn a key and, and try and sustain themselves as well. Um, so we, we're phasing this out to make it more uh, financially feasible and viable. Okay, so how long when you how long will construction take? Is it going It'll to go in phase? It honestly, that that building will be up in twelve months finished. Once it starts, There's, twelve months. Yeah, it's a it's a very very simplistic plan, simple okay. plan. I think the biggest I think the biggest part of the job is the plumbing. And how how much is it costing? And how much needs to be raised? Uh, it's going to cost about five million, give or take. Um, and we have two and a half to raise. Uh, so, we do have promises and um, we do have, I don't know, how do you, guarantors. Um, so we're doing a memorial wall. Um, it's something that we're working on a virtual on as well. So we're putting a, a memorial wall into Gaelic Park. And as you know, in your very short space of time in this town, um, it's hollowed ground. You know, um, a lot of good families have come through their grandparents, great grandparents, all the rest of it. So there is a memorial wall going to be there where a person can have their loved one's name etched for eternity in Gaelic Park. 
Um, and that is, it's a thousand dollars to get the slab or whatever way it can be done name on the, on, on the, on this memorial wall. Um, and that has a potential fundraiser of a million dollars there. As of right now, we have 350 pledges. All right, we're only okay. talking about it. Yes. So that, that, that's one of our big fundraisers. Um, we just did the tickets. Um, obviously because of COVID and stuff, you know, it didn't, we didn't generate as much as we had anticipated, but we did quite well out of that. Um, so there's a nice little bit of money sitting in the bank. And then, you know, we had a few dollars in there prior to that. So we have a golf outing that we're planning for late in the fall. Um, and then, We'll have to come up with another idea after that then, Michael, to get it finished. <laughs> How much will Crow Park uh, give, John? We're getting two and a half million. So it's two million from Crow Park and 500,000 from the DFA. All right, okay. Yeah, so right now, like I said, you know, um, asking them for cash now at this stage is probably not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And of course, when that's up and running, John, that will generate its own cash, won't it? It's something that's been sorely missed the last couple of years. Even we though you have... renting last year, but it would self-generate um i think when people see the the, the layout of it plus i think this the, the, with the with the pandemic as well um we've put in sliders um so you very much have an indoor outdoor kind of this was po- this this was prior to COVID. we had like an indoor outdoor kind of a thing going where you could pull back the windows and um so you'd have the outdoor patio as well and stuff now um but we have the whole community is asking like when 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 um, there's a huge call. There's a there there is potentially huge financial um, kickbacks on this, and yeah. needless to say, that money obviously gets turned over and generated back into programs and stuff that we want to do going forward um, and future development, and obviously support the minor board in their endeavours as well. Is it is it one story two, two yeah, stories? One story. It's one story to start with. Yeah. And you, you with the potential to build onto it, is it? Yeah. Build on top of it? Yeah. All right, like okay. Split, it was a split level was the original plan, you know. But right, we managed okay. to get everything we needed onto the first floor, but there is the potential to go for a second or a half story. All right, okay. Was the original three stories and the, no, the, the foundation? Never. I don't know. No. What? Okay. <laughs> no, no. It was, a, it was split level, yeah. It was, a, it was like a story and a half. All right, okay. Because the front of the building, uh, uh, closer to the, to the street side, you couldn't go up because the tracks are right there. So about three quarters of the way down on the safety fence area, it was stepped out more onto the patio. So the track kind of turned there. So it was split there. Okay. Um, but you couldn't go, you couldn't have a two story above it because you have the tower above that again, the watchman. Okay. So there was obviously an issue with that. So it was a story and a half always. So we just took the half story off. Okay. With the, with the potential to go ahead or to yeah. go higher again. Very good. Yeah. Can you just tell me, because there's been some things that, that I've heard around the place that there was an option to go to Randall's Island before. What what happened there? Look, we went through my own club in Nemo. We had, an, we had our own place in Turner's Cross. It was one pitch and we tried to move. Did to, you realise uh, I'm not that old? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, that's a long time ago. Um, Randall's. Randall's. Um, I yeah, think... I just when going out training there, people were saying that this and that, and I just wanted to know, like, was, I, like, like was... with the lease, I just want to know what's the... I don't think there was enough of... Uh, I, there was a lot interested in it, but I don't think it was a fully bought into into uh, a, a project. Um, okay. And I think um, there was more not 
in favor of it. I think a lot of it had to do with the investment factor into it uh, versus the non-ownership lease again and the potential I mean it was oh god I can't even remember the price tag back then what it was but it was a pretty substantial amount of money was that to buy a, a, a lease a section it of land and yeah and you had to develop it in floodlights and there was two pitches and clubhouses and a bar and uh bleachers and all sorts of stuff had to go into like a fully developed like okay. type of stadium and stuff but I think the fear then was it was going into the unknown and and you know would it be a problem down the line I, I i can't actually remember i remember good fights over it, um good arguments about it but i don't know that it was ever fully vested by everybody i don't think everybody okay. was fully on board and and, and 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 different from we'll say the issue that we had with um potentially buying hilltop or staying with Gaelic Park. It was it was a totally different situation where the majority of the people wanted to keep Gaelic Park no matter what. And that was the that that was the difference, I think. And when was that? The, the Randall's Island, uh, when was that? The 90s or say, yeah, 90s, definitely. Okay. Definitely. I was fairly I was a fresher to the guy at that stage. And it was around this time that Hilltop was being suggested as well. Was it Hilltop was much later, it's only in the last six years. You know, hey, listen, if you can find flat land, it's not going to kill us to, to develop. I was just going to say, would that be something that you're going to look for as well? Maybe another pitch somewhere. And yeah. is it just get Gaelic Park up now and then look look ahead to that? And Yeah. And again, it's 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 the it's the, you know, running the running the, the, the clubhouse as a business. And generating that 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 revenue that we need again, so that we're self-sustainable and we need to be self-sustainable. And this is the thing. And look. I get the whole hilltop thing. Don't no one is going to tell me that I don't understand or I was against or I wasn't. I think my biggest problem with it was the financial side of it. And when you look at what happened in the last 12 months, the hole we potentially could be in, you know, and I know that's in hindsight and, and I get it, but I give the people that were involved a lot of credit for, for, for wanting it. Um, I just think just even from my own experience and, and, and obviously, you know, my husband, um, we took a walk up there and I mean, he just, when I get that, it's just like, you know, you, you know what he's like, but it, 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 I just don't think it was financially viable for us. And I, I, I think everybody's fear was the, you know, do we want to leave that kind of debt to the next generation? What What was the proposal there? Where and where is Hilltop in relation to the? Is the if you go That's north, top of the hill, is it? If you go north uh, on the Deegan, you know where Ridge Hill is. is where it, you is, went skydiving. Uh, <laughs> yeah, across yeah, the, yeah. So it's even over, further over, it, across it, across the road from it and back. All right, okay. So you're getting for, like so you're you're getting further away for the likes of me in Queens that if that yeah. went up there that it's yeah. even further away because I know living in Sunnyside it used to take me 75 minutes to get up to Gaelic Park. I know I'm a bit yeah. closer now but yeah, so that would have been even further further away yeah. again. You would need you would have had to have a car, yeah. Just the Gaelic Park. Uh, I I could put up a link I'll put up a link to the plan but can you just tell me off the top of your head what 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 will it be? A clubhouse, a couple of changing rooms, what's going to go in there and are yeah, they, two the changing rooms will stay. Um, the two in the back stay because they're the they're college owned. Okay. Those two, um, right. then our two, um, two new 
brand new state-of-the-art doctor's room, small little area for weights um, to start off with. And then you have your dance hall, bar, kitchen, coffee station, outdoor facility, patio, the memorial wall. Yeah, it's it's very it's it's going to be done where, you know, you can have upwards of 400 people at a dinner dance. Um, okay. And we'd be hoping to have, you know, functions there four out of the seven nights a week that would be a function of sorts. And then obviously it's available the other nights then to, you know, clubs for meetings. There's a there, there's a office space and stuff there where you know, Excellent. club could have a meeting or somebody needed, if the community needed to use the facility for whatever reasons that it's there and it's available to be used. Okay. And the whole thing is that it's a fully functional community orientated base. And it's ours. It's Irish. It's ours. It belongs to the Irish diaspora. It belongs to the Irish Americans. It belongs to, to us. And it's there for the community as well, you know, um, to use when we're not using it. Mm. So, John, um, will there? So, a lot of fundraising has gone on here the last couple of years. A lot of people came over from Ireland, uh, fundraised here, uh, brought money home for um, projects at home. You said that you might impose a levy on that sort of fundraising going it's, on. It's not us that's going to impose it. We've brought this to the attention of Central Council. We've discussed this at length. Um, it's USGA as well. Um, you know, counties are coming in here and it is like cash cow. There's no recognition of our board. There's no recognition of us, GPA included. Um, and it's okay to take money out of here. And you offer crumbs. Oh, we'll send you two all-star players there and they'll spend an hour coaching your kids. And that's okay. We're just going to take a half a million dollars out of a function downtown. We, no, it's over. It's done. We're not, it's, we're tired. We're tired. New York's first. You know, um, New York is first and we have to look after ourselves. And if they are coming out here and they do want to fundraise, they should enter into into negotiation with us. And a percentage of that funding should be given back to our board to put where we feel it's needed to go. And it should be given back to the board. Okay. And I think that is pretty much um, a discussion that's been had. And it's a discussion that USGA and New York have had with um, counties. There will be an imposed percentage agreed upon with counties that that they should recognize us. And can you enforce that at a county level or do you have to go through Congress to... No, it would probably be... You would would hope that there'd be an agreement of sorts made... I don't know if you can impose a, 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 a rule on a monetary level, but um, it's, it's respect. It's like us going home and standing at home, uh, walking in the door of, of Cork City and, and, and doing a massive fundraiser. Um, yeah, we're here. We take it out and we take it all the way back to New York and you're in the middle of building your own facility in Parky Cueve and doing the money and you're killing yourselves trying to make ends meet there and get your facility going. We're trying to do the same here. You know, we wouldn't do it to we wouldn't do it to another county, you know, yeah. coming in here to New York. I mean, we'd like we'd like the people like I'm not saying anything. I, I'd support I support my own all the time. Like, I mean, I have no problem buying a ticket. I have no problem supporting Kerry if they were doing a fundraiser or my own club, even at home. I'd, I'd, I'd support them. But taking it away from the county here, taking away from our kids and our our future and, and our development. That's where lies my concern with it. And, um, you know, this it's become 
uh, it's just like, ah, we need to raise a half a million dollars. Let's just go to New York. Okay. And do you think is it enforceable? Can that can that be enforced? Yeah, I think I think the counties are. I think the counties are. are, are yeah. I think they actually are starting to to hear and they and they feel it. And it, right now, you're living in New York. Would you? Anyone who would try and come in and raise money in New York right now, I would say shame on you. You know, uh, please give the people here an opportunity to regain their footing, to regain their own livelihoods and to get back on our feet and give us a chance to breathe here. And we'll go back to the table then. But please give us some time for the foreseeable future. New York got hit harder than most. And you know that, you see that. Look at the amount of businesses that are going to go under. And we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring here. So for the foreseeable future, we'd be pleading okay. not to come not to come here. Okay. Last question, you mentioned Larry McCarthy went through your, uh, you're following the footsteps of him, of Larry McCarthy, Joan. Uh, he was a county chair here before. When your tenure is up, will we see you going for uh, GA president? One-way ticket to Tarbert. job done done no problem I will become I will just become a spectator and a proud supporter of my little (laughs) club at home and I'll travel back to New York when when, and and support them no matter what no problem that is it me done (laughs) John thanks for your time I really appreciate your honesty and your forthrightness thanks very much for coming on the show anytime talk to you soon Pat and that's all for this week let us know what you think by leaving us a comment on facebook instagram or twitter at the long haul podcast please rate and review the show this will ensure that we can get even more podcasts to you in the future like last year we will have a special new york club championship preview podcast in a few weeks time as well as further coverage of this year's games you can listen or watch all of our previous podcasts on thelonghaulpodcast.com, including that controversial episode with former Kerry County Board Chairman Pat DeBago Sullivan, which we spoke about earlier. A video of the Gaelic Park Clubhouse plans will be shown next for those watching on video, and there will also be links to the video on our social media streams. Girls, can you dance the polka? And when we got inside the house, the drinks were passed around. The liquor was so awful strong, my head went round.